you're tuned in to East Tennessee's premier sports radio call-in show. This is The Drive. And hello, good afternoon, and welcome to another stellar edition of The Drive here on Fan Run Radio. Russell Smith punching the time clock on a Tuesday afternoon edition of the show. Hope you're doing well. Big one lined up for you here this afternoon. I got to say, though, I I am kind of bummed. What are you bummed about? I'm bummed about the Josh Heupel deal news. Why? Not because he got the deal. Don't don't get me wrong. I mean, we knew it was coming. It is what it is. I'm bummed from a show planning standpoint because I really had planned on and was actually kind of looking forward to doing a basketball show today where we come in and talk about what's being talked about on the social media landscape on on vault twitter which is this it's a fun little just tailor-made for sports radio debate right what is the better team this year's basketball team or the 2019 grant and admiral team because that in and of itself is a great debate question And then it spiderwebs off into so many other great questions as well. So maybe we can do that a little bit later on in the show. I hope we can, but the hypel news is huge. I mean, that's that's massive news. So we'll start there. Josh Heupel gets the big deal today. $9 million a year through 2029 is his new contract so they go up to nine for to bring us on finally i thought he would be between eight and nine i'm a little bit surprised they go nine but i guess what's a couple hundred thousand dollars amongst friends right yeah like this to me like i don't know i mean you feel like we're going to be talking about this for a, a lot of the show yeah i mean it's a it's a Okay. We're paying the football coach almost $10 million a year. Yeah, yeah but everybody's, it might paying come up. Co- everybody's paying their coaches like $9, $10 million. I no, mean, this no, this no. Everybody now. is. He's one of nine. One of nine. Out of 130 coaches? No. He's in the upper 5% to whatever that is of college football coaches. No, everybody is not doing that. Well, I mean, the money's just gotten so stupid now, and – I just don't pay that much attention to it. I'm just happy he's going to be here. I'm much more into the this uh, quiet civil war, budding civil war that seems to have broken out amongst our fan base over this basketball team. But let's talk about Hype's uh, fat stacks. Fat stacks, indeed. I guess that's what you get when you go 11-2, and two, beat Alabama, win the Orange Bowl, take down Clemson, send Dabo packing. With your second-string quarterback. $9 million a year through 2029. So Tennessee would owe him, if he were to be fired, before December of 2025, which we hope doesn't happen. <laughs> it doesn't. I wouldn't think that would happen, but this is college football. They, Hey, Kentucky didn't think they would have second thoughts about giving John Calipari a lifetime deal. Texas A&M never foresaw a situation where they might want to get rid of Jimbo Fisher. Michigan State gave Mel Tucker basically a lifetime deal with a $100 million buyout. 
my reading of the contract, and I'm terrible at reading numbers, right? So alert listeners, correct mm-hmm. me if I am wrong. But if he's fired before 2025, December 15th of 2025, Tennessee would owe him 100% of what he would be owed through the remainder of the contract. So, um, like, if you wanted, if the unthinkable happens, <laughs> it's college football, man. You have to think about the unthinkable. You have to. Right. I, I don't think it's going to happen. You don't think it's going to happen. It's la la la. It's not going to happen. We're going to go 10 to 2 next year. Everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. Oh, let's give John Calipari a lifetime deal. Uh, if if we had to fire him before that, it a hundred percent. So he would. That would be roughly, um, fifty four. Yeah, like fifty million. I mean, depending, you know, per year. So if uh, if it was in five DC. years left on the contract, times nine would be forty five million dollars. Yeah. And, and so on. Yeah. Um, What's the biggest buyout we've paid out? Botches. Yeah, I don't like even. Nine, I don't remember what that was. It was, it was like, like maybe 10, 10. Yeah, ten million dollars or something. Of course, we. Well, a lot had, of a lot of watches, a lot of lifts for your shoes, man girdles. Yeah, it's critical. A lot of myrtles. Of course, Jeremy Pruitt has gotten nothing so far. He will get nothing. You know, the Gumps want to hire him as their defensive coordinator, and like, like the. Yeah. yeah. They should want to hire him. I, I would want to hire him if I if I were them. I don't. I I think that's pushing it even for them. But yeah, I, uh, they should definitely hire him if they can. I don't think they'll be able to. Do you? <sighs> like I said, it, it's Alabama, so they can get away with a lot, and they will try a lot. And in today and age, when Auburn can hire Hugh Freeze, I, I even known Hugh Freeze hater, and I am. Number one, even I'll, I, I mean, Hugh Freeze is nothing compared to Mr. 40 well, plus level one violations. He, does, he doesn't have a show cause yet. He doesn't have a show cause yet. And by the way, as somebody I saw point out on, on Twitter before a couple weeks ago, or maybe a couple days ago, it all runs together already. What are we, three weeks into 2023? Mm-hmm. I'm already struggling. A a show cause doesn't mean that you cannot hire him. It just means you have to show cause to hire him, and you're kind of putting your neck out there. Like if he gets caught again doing the same thing, presumably they would be like, "Well, you you rolled the dice, and it came up not good for you, so we get to hammer you now." But anyway, Tennessee uh, the buyout would drop to seventy five percent if termination occurs between December fifteenth, twenty twenty five, and December fourteenth, twenty twenty seven. So he he would be owed a lot. I don't think it's going to come to that, but that's that's just sort of where my mind goes immediately. It's like nine million dollars a year. Yeah, whatever. Is it possible to get out of this if we ever really wanted to get out of it? Moves him into the. He, he's the ninth, I believe, highest paid coach in the country now. Only the fifth highest paid coach in the league. So uh, he's got obviously Saban, Smart, Kelly. Yes. Probably Fisher. Jimbo. Yep. He's he's oh, number right. five behind yeah. Saban, Kirby, Kelly, and Jimbo. I thought that they would get him to between eight and nine a year. 
I guess I'm a little bit surprised that they just went up ahead and I figure they Banner Dan said they're thinking, you know what? 8.6, 8.7, like let's just make it a nice round number. 9. That's what I figured it'd be. Number 9, number 9. You get the Beatles reference, Marcus. Yeah. You do? White album. Yeah. Hey, oh, look at Marcus. A man of culture. I'm a bit of a, you know, Beatles fan, so, you know, know a few things. You like the latest stuff, do you? Yeah, where they had a little bit more, like, uh, Creative freedom, yeah. using the studio as a fifth musician. Things to George say. Martin working his magic. All right, very good. I, I, do you feel like there's any of those coaches in the SEC in particular above him he should be above, or do you feel like he's fit right in the right spot? I think you could make the argument that he should be above Jimbo. Yeah, and Jimbo's can, got a natty. And, well, you can make the argument that he should be above Brian Kelly. Yes, Brian Kelly's been to the playoff twice, but last I checked, Heupel just walked up in his crib and took the place over, made a sandwich, threw the cheese wrapper on the floor the whole nine yards. I don't think he should be paid more than Jimbo or Brian Kelly. I'm just saying you can make the argument. If I were Heupel's agent, that's probably what I would do. But I would also, I think you put the $9 million a year contract on the table, and you'd have to be like, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll do that. We will sign on that dotted line, ladies and gentlemen. And so it sounds like he did. And Josh Heupel is now a wealthy man. He, he was a wealthy man before. He doesn't quite have bleep you money yet, but he's getting there. Right. He, he might actually because he gets $9 million a year salary, but really he just made $54 million, like bottom line. Yeah. Like that's, that's kind of what he made today. Unless he, he does something where he can get fired for cause. Yeah. But I don't see that happening. I don't know. I think – Bleep you money is different for everybody. What is bleep you money for you? Half a million. 500 grand? Yeah, I'd tell everybody to kiss my. You, no, you can't. <laughs> you can't do that on 500 grand. What are you going to do with 500? You pay off your house, get yourself a nice car, take a vacation. Uh, maybe hook up a couple friends and family. By by the end of that, you got like fifty grand left over, max. I don't know about all that. Hey, you got you got to raise your sights a little bit, bro. You got to raise your sights a little bit. I'm not greedy. What's uh, what we're what are we, we're talking about? Bleep you, buddy. Yes, you, you the greed has to play into it. Marcus Young, what what is bleep you money in your world? I'd say six point two million. I was going to say at least 10 mil. I, I would think for you, at least 10 mil. 6.2. Yeah, I'm going to go with the point two because because when you get to say you that. you got to figure in taxes, man. Well, plus you got that point there. You get to just emphasize that I'm, I'm still making just that much yeah. more. Oh, I, I like the point. Yeah. I don't know what I'd do with it, though, to be honest with you. Definitely pay off bills. Stroke a couple of checks. Yeah. I think you'd have to get that breaking bad bed of money to lay on just so 300 and something million dollars just to say you did eh, you know you work at some ones and fives in there you know to kind of even things out i, I don't know what what he was laid on but uh yeah i think you'd have to at the, at the very least fill a bathtub and roll around in it just to just to have that experience like scrooge mcduck like just be a yeah. little swimming a little bit yeah yeah take a little dip in your 
secret vault of money with your pr- uh, priceless works of art scattered about. Nasty, nasty drug money. I would buy paintings, I think, actually, now that you said that. Aaron Torres is going to join the show coming up here in just a few minutes. We'll talk college basketball with him. Basketball Vols up to a one seed on the latest Joe Lenardi bracketology. Well, he said Lenardi knows what he's talking about. <laughs> well, I, I was always wondering, the past couple of weeks anyway, like we've been number two in the net for a long time and yet number two on the the seed lines for all the quote-unquote experts, the bracketologists. Yeah. And, like, that just – I had a hard time squaring that. And it wasn't one of those, oh, man, they hate us, we're getting screwed type deals. It was just – it was a weird thing because I don't know if we are one of the top four teams. I know the metrics say we're one of the top four teams in college basketball this year. The, the Ken Palms, the Torvix, those guys, yes – Tennessee's number two, according to all that. They're number two in the net, which is what the NCAA supposedly uses, what the um, the the selection committee supposedly uses as uh, the be-all, end-all metric, I guess, when all else fails. You, you look at the net. And so I guess from that perspective, Tennessee deserves to be a one seed. Certainly, there are some things that Tennessee has to figure out, I think, between now and and March, but again, it can't be can't be understated, man. Like th- this is the glory years. This is the time. Would like to see a little hardware to polish it off, but Tennessee top ten in football, basketball, baseball. I think somebody uh, said their number top ten, in, I believe, in track or uh, uh, golf and tennis too. So that's very cool. successful. That's cool. But the ones we care about, things are going really, really well. Stop and smell the roses. Bill O'Brien leaving Alabama. He's reuniting with uh, Belichick. That doesn't feel good to me. Mm-mm. That doesn't feel good to me if I'm a Patriots fan. That feels like... It's like Mac Jones is probably happy, though. It, it feels like when Fulmer brought Cutcliffe back, it's like, yeah, we can stabilize the ship, really, but... As far as getting back to a Super Bowl, which I presume that's what Patriots fans want, standard was set pretty high there for a while. Is Bill O'Brien going to do that? I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe he's the missing link. Maybe he gets it turned around there. But it, it feels like you're just trying to recreate something yeah. that worked 10 years ago as opposed to moving into the new modern world of the NFL. You ever notice uh, he's like an uh, identical twin to the bar rescue guy, O'Brien? I don't see that. Dead off like him. Taffer? Yeah. I don't see that at all. Huh? You're gonna ch- I don't see that at all. You're going to show me side-by-sides. He looks dead off like him. O'Brien, the thing that always – like, he doesn't have hair. Like, he's bald, right? Yeah, but so is Taffer. No. No, he's, he's balding, but he's got a jet black slick back. Are you, are you confusing John Taffer with someone else? No. John Taffer from Bar Rescue. Yeah, he doesn't have a whole lot of hair. I've never seen O'Brien without a hat. O'Brien just has that big dimple on the chin. He, I think he looks pretty close. I'm pulling up photos, don't worry. He's got some hair. Who? Bill O'Brien. Not a lot. But Good for him. Who will Saban get? 
what style will he go? Will he try to mimic the hypal attack? Will he go even more tempo? We'll get into that as we move along this afternoon. Quick timeout. Aaron Torres coming up next. Tennessee basketball. What is the ceiling for this year's team, and what is a realistic expectation? We'll explore that with AT when we continue. You're listening to The Drive on Fan Run Radio. Stay with us. Fan Run Radio, the drive continues. Russell Bear and Marcus cruising with you on a Tuesday afternoon edition of the show. Let's go to the Big Orange Phillies phone lines. Aaron Torres of Aaron Torres Online, Fox Sports Radio, national host, joining us. Good afternoon, Aaron. How are you, sir? Ross, I'm good, man. How you doing? Man, uh, we are halfway home in college hoops. I know. Time, time flies when you're having fun. Lenardi's got us as a one seed here in Big Orange Woo. Country. Things are going swimmingly, if I do say so myself. So let me ask you, you know, I, I always do this. I just flip the whole conversation yeah, on you. No, you. I'm on your but, show, man. Let's go. <laughs> oh, oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate you joining me today for my show. So a, a couple of things is, you know, one, it's an incredible season, all that. Um but two, you know, I, I do get the sense from Vol social media, and this is where I get most of my Vol interactions, and we do have a Vol-specific page, uh, Torres on the Vols, that is run by actually a Tennessee fan. It is not run by me. I get the sense that it's it's a weird, yep. we're enjoying this season, but yep. kind of deal. Is that fair? Am I am I overanalyzing? Well, am, I, am I stereotyping the fan base? Well, it, it, and you know this here, that you have to be careful with the Twitter stuff, right? Because that's sure. that, exactly. that's not always real. Like when, when I'm out and about during the day meeting Tennessee fans, they love it. They love Rick Barnes. They love yeah. Tennessee basketball. They're fine with it. But the Twitter's the hardcores. The people that call our show, they're the lifers, man. They remember Jerry Green and Kevin O'Neill coaching the Vols from back in the day. And, you know, they – yeah, it's great to be a one seed in the bracketology and to be predicted to win all these games. But there's this sneaking suspicion in the back of all of our minds, I think, that, hey, you know, Rick Barnes, the track record is what it is. He's not great in March. And I, I don't think there's an overwhelming expectation that this year is going to be any different. And and that's probably unfair, right? Or is it fair? I don't, I don't, think, it's un, I, I don't think it's unfair. Um, you know, I, I do think it takes a little bit out of the joy of the season, which is that delicate push-pull balance. I don't think it's unfair, though. I mean, history is what it is, right? Um, you know, I don't know. Mac Brown, when he was at Texas, couldn't win the big game. He eventually did, but couldn't win the big game. Um you know, Calipari right now is on a track record of not winning the big games that matter in March. So I don't think it's unfair. Um, it's just interesting. And, and you know, and, and I guess there, there's two sides to it. I think you brought up the fact that there are plenty of people that, that remember how bad this thing was and can be. Um, but I also think that, that, you know, if you have been through this, because this isn't year two, this isn't year three. I mean, I think Rick Barnes has been there like this year seven, year eight, year six, something like that. And you've won the SEC regular season, you've won the SEC tournament, and yes, you have to soak in those moments when they happen. I know how happy everybody was after that SEC tournament championship game last year, at least for like two minutes until the Vols got screwed on their seating, but that's neither here nor there. But like, you have to enjoy those moments, but you know, to kind of quote Herm Edwards, you play to win the game, you play to win the ultimate prizes, 
and I understand any fan that's that that says, listen, I, what I don't think you should do, I don't think you should be an Alabama fan, Al- Alabama football fan, which is there's no vic- there's no joy unless we're holding the trophy on the final night of the season. And I don't think that's where Tennessee fans are by any stretch of the imagination. So enjoy the regular season. But those that are saying, I'm enjoying this with the understanding that it's probably going to end in heartbreak in March. <laughs> like, I get that. I really do. I honestly do. Yeah, yeah. Well, something you said after last season. We we did a long, like, two-week in-morning post-mortem, you know, losing to Michigan the second round. Not at all what anybody wanted. But uh, and, and I asked everybody that came on the show for a week or two, what makes a good tournament coach? And like you had the best answer, man. It's something we talk about Ooh. a lot here on the show, which What'd is I say? <laughs> you don't even remember, do you? You you said you gotta be able to win games in a variety of different ways. Yep. Variety of different games in a variety of different ways. And that that stuck with me, Aaron. Like and I'm I'm looking at Tennessee this year, you know, they were able to beat they they beat Kansas sixty four to fifty. I mean that's not exactly super high scoring. They beat Southern Cal seventy three to sixty six. So they've had a couple of games where you know they score in the in the seventies or so. And they've had a couple of games where you know you, you go on the road to Ole Miss and you you grind it out right. It's sixty three fifty nine. Um, that's probably more this team style. But I, I think you know that's what you got to do right. Is you got to be able to you got to be able to run and score in the seventies and you got to be able to win the rock fights where it's, you know, first team to 60 wins. Yeah. Two quick thoughts on that one, um, a really prominent, you know, somebody that was part of some big time staffs. He, he himself was not a national championship winning coach, but he played for a coach who won champ or he coached under a coach. And that was, and, and I was told that the year after for the year that Virginia lost as a one, it was like, They'll never win a championship the way that they, that mm. they play right now. Now, they won it the next yeah. year, but they were actually, even though they didn't score a lot, they were much more efficient offensively, and even then they had a couple breaks along the way. But what I would say, and I don't know if this is going to rub people the wrong way, this is why I've been on Alabama all year long. And people, oh, Torres, you just play up to SEC fan bases, blah, blah, blah. No, you, you look at Alabama, and I think, you know, and I'm not trying to turn this into a, a praise your rival kind of segment, but – you know, you look at Alabama, and everyone, you know, I think we fall into narratives that are easy to kind of wrap our brains around. So everybody loves Nate Oates. Oh, you know, three, three, three pointers and layups. That's a, and it's like, okay, cool, they score a lot. But if you look at their defensive metrics, they're an insane defensive team. Yep. Now, they give up more points because they, they play at a faster pace. So you can't just look at raw, uh, you know, mm. points per game allowed. But if you look at, field goal percentage, three-point field goal percentage, their rebound rate, you know, they're a great rebounding team. They're a great shot-blocking team. And that's why I've been so high on Alabama this year. Now, they have a different set of issues. Most of their team is freshmen. Obviously, they have the -the off-the-court situation, to say the least, that I don't know if that's going to be a cloud over their heads or not. But that's why I was on Alabama early, because they can win a lot of different ways, and they have won a lot of different ways already this season. And so, you know, when when you said, you know, you gave the best answer, Aaron, whatever, um, I, I thought that was what I probably said because that's something that has always stuck with me when when I said it, and I always try to look for those teams throughout the year of, okay, let, let's try and figure this out of, you know, what are the teams that if they get into a rock fight, they can't win, they can't, you know, grind it out in the half court, which teams can only win 
when they're playing in the 80s and 70s. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad that that stuck with you. I know it stuck with me when, uh, when I was told it. I'm just glad it stuck with you because it makes me sound smart if you're talking about it all the time. So I appreciate you, Russ. That's I guess that's why, the point I'm trying to get to. That's why we bring you on, spreading the knowledge, the information, bringing it to the table as only you can. Aaron Torres with us on the Big Orange Phillies phone line. Aaron, some, another thing, something – I don't know where I heard this, but it's it sounds Probably good. Probably if it's smart, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it sounds good, so I'll roll with it. Uh, I don't know how big a Ken Palm guy you are, but um, the, the, there's a narrative out there. You need to be top 20 in both. You need to be top 20 in offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency. That, to me, is what Alabama really has going for them. I think they're 13th in offense, 5th in defense. Tennessee, of course, number one in defense, 31st in offense. So that's that's been climbing up since the turn of the calendar year, but still a, a little way to go. Is is that a fair thing to, you know, just a criticism of Tennessee? Uh, yeah, the offense or the defense is fine, more than fine. It's fantastic. Offense, it's, it's not bad, but if you want to make that run, if you want to be that team, if you want to get to Rick Barnes's second career Final Four, it needs to improve. I think so, but the thing that, one, you know, I'm not a huge advanced analytics guy, but I will say, um, you know, listen, it, well, it's what we just said with Rick Barnes and March, right? At a certain point, you know, you can't dispute the data that's in front of you, and I, I think Ken Palm's, you know, the, the I think the number's like, you know, 19 of the last 20 champions or 20 of the last 25 or whatever, like, it's a, it's an abnormally large number, and so you use that as a, as a metric to, to gauge who can win a championship. The one thing I would say about Tennessee is, you know, and I think fans, when I've talked about Tennessee, have pushed back to me on this a little bit, is it's really kind of hard to know what the team's ceiling is, especially offensively, because you just haven't had your guys. You know, you just haven't had everybody in the lineup at the same time where early on it's Triple J, Viscovi's missed some games, you know, uh, I don't know, other guys have stepped up. So I guess what I would say is, yes, I think it's fair Yes, I need to see more offensively, but I, if, if we're looking for positives and we're trying to be glasses half full, they have shown an ability to do it. I mean, there's certain teams that they just they can't do it. Um, and, and Tennessee has, you know, the South Carolina game obviously comes to mind. You know, the Mississippi State game where I kind of caught, got caught with my hand in the cookie jar because I was tweeting about what my worries about the offense in the first half, and then they scored like, you know, 51 points in the second half or something absurd or, and one going away. So I think if you're looking for, you know, cautiously optimistic as we move into the final third of the season, it's that Tennessee fans have sh- or Tennessee has shown an ability to do it, maybe not on an every night basis, but let's, listen, let's be honest, nobody does it on an every night basis in all elements of the game, but they've shown an ability to do it. And I think the other important thing is um I think the other important thing is that obviously, you know, you hope at some point to get your full allotment of guys, and when you do, I think you feel pretty good about them being able to do it consistently as long as they have enough games together before the games really start to matter in March. Tennessee plays host to Texas Saturday night. ESPN game day is going to be there. Sold-out crowd. Of course, all the Tennessee, uh, Rick Barnes, Texas storylines going on there. And Texas is... I mean, wow, what an interesting year they've had, right? A top 10 team with all the off the court turmoil. For fans who haven't seen them play, Aaron, what kind of team are we going to see at the Longhorns strolling in here Saturday night? Well, I hate to say it, um, they're a Chris Beard coach team. And, you know, 
that they might be the last iteration of it, the way that, you know, things may go. But they're really good defensively. You know, the thing I'll I'll actually give that whole operation credit is last year they, you know, last year was Beard's first and only full season at Texas. Um, And he brought in a bunch of transfers, and I was one of many that hyped them up in the preseason. If this clicks, all these guys, blah, 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 this and that. And it just, it never really clicked. They were never bad, but they were never really good. Um, And so I bring it up because this year they brought back a lot of those guys. And and I was kind of in a wait-and-see mode. Um, You know, you mentioned Ken Palm. Like I said, I'm not a huge, like I, I pay attention to it, but I don't live and die by it. But I think they were maybe the number one team in Ken Palm in the preseason, if not, you know, top five, top three, whatever it is. And, um, you know, it's a lot of the same guys as last year, but they're much more bought in and they're much more cohesive. And I, and I give them credit because it's not always easy uh, to break old habits, especially when you haven't had success. Um, they're a little bit more dynamic at guard. They got a, a kid named Tyrese Hunter, a transfer from Iowa State, you know, smaller guard, but can kind of beat you from all three levels. They play really hard defensively. Uh, they're really athletic around the rim. Now, I think Tennessee's probably a little bit bigger with Euros down low, um, but but they're, they're they're big and they're tough and they're physical and they have the guard play. Now, what I'll be curious about from the Tennessee perspective, we obviously just talked a ton about the offensive ability of uh, or the defensive ability of Tennessee. I'm curious, uh, you know, outside of the Hunter kid, I don't think they have a bunch of guys that are great at creating their own offense. And this will obviously be, you know, the best defensive team that they've seen all year, although they see a lot of great defensive teams in the Big 12. So it's a really intriguing matchup for me. But if you've seen a team, you know, put together by Chris Beard before, locked in defensively, um, that's basically who they are. And I think their guards are a little bit better than they've been in the past, which leads to what I think will be a really fun matchup, obviously, Saturday night uh, in TBA. Talk with Aaron Torres here this afternoon. Now, Aaron, that is not the only big game at Thompson Bowling Assembly Center and Arena this week. Oh, yeah. You, you don't even well, know. The, Thursday night. Thursday night. We got uh, Gino Oriema, or Orienema, as we call him here at East Tennessee, bringing the uh, Huskies, uh, renewing hostilities with our beloved Lady Vols Thursday night. Aaron, you guys stole our swagger. We invented this sport down here, women's college basketball, and. Uh, and, and, and UConn has just stolen us from it. We got to take it back, man. We got to. Well, this is the year to do it. I mean, I'm not exaggerating when I say, like, literally, probably, I, and <laughs> I'd be lying if I said I knew much about women's basketball, but Paige Beckers was basically the best player in college basketball last year. She's out for an injury. AZ Fudd was the heir apparent, like, number one player in America who was going to be the number two. She just went out for a second time this year. So, I mean, when you literally have probably two of the top three or four players in America out with injury, this feels like the time to, uh, to, uh, to get the Huskies. But what I would say really quick, and, you know, it's funny, Russ, I don't, I don't know how, how often you're just in front of the couch watching a, a game, but every once in a while, you know, you hear stuff, and, you, you, you know, sometimes I, I get annoyed and I sit there and say, you know, that, that guy doesn't know he's talking about, that girl doesn't know he's talking about, whatever. But I was kind of had the Duke game on in the background last night while I was making dinner or whatever. And Duke was playing, and I think they were probably promoting that game, to be honest. I don't know why they brought it up. But the broadcaster just said, you know who, you know who, there's only one answer on the Mount Rushmore of college basketball coaches. And in my head, I was like, I'm going to freaking hate this answer. I'm going to hate this answer. And he was like, it's Coach K, because Duke was playing. It's Coach K, it's John Wooden, it's Gino Oriema, 
and it's Pat Summit. And I kind of just did the nod. I was like, yeah, that guy's right. I don't even know who said it. But, I, you know, so it's one of those rivalries where, I, I, you know, I can't speak for the Tennessee side of things. I mean, if you're nicknaming, um, you know, Gino after painful, you know, procedures, I don't know how much you guys respect him. But, you know, as somebody who's a couple years, you know, obviously we're, we're many years removed from the Pat Summit era, I can look back and say, man, she was an incredible coach. Um, you guys would know more about what she's done for women's basketball, but I've, I've read all about it, and I know she was kind of on the ground floor as the sport exploded. Um, and so, you know, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that those two are obviously far and away the two great women's coaches of all time, and I think to that announcer's point last night, I, I think they're the two the two women's coaches that are on the college basketball Mount Rushmore of all-time greats. And so, like you said, rekindling a rivalry, uh, you know, I know Gino will get, you know, 19,000 boos or whatever, but, uh, I, you know, I'm excited to see that one. I really am. No doubt, no doubt. All right, Aaron, last thing, we'll let you out of here. Uh, give us your thoughts. Super Bowl prediction, who will emerge from the smoke uh, coming up this weekend Ooh. playing in the Super Bowl? Um, It feels like everybody's on San Fran. I'll say, like, I think it's kind of hard. By the way, can I? do I have time for a little rant? Sure. Rant so, away. So I was I was hosting radio on Saturday, so I kind of or Sunday, so I kind of missed this cycle. Russ, did you see this little thing that came out Sunday morning about like what Nick Saban told Brock Purdy on his recruiting visit? Did you see this or no? Did you see it? Yeah, I just assumed that was not true. <laughs> it, okay. Was it true? So I don't know if it was true or not, and maybe it wasn't, but I saw it. And basically, for people who who don't know what I'm talking about. Some story came out. I don't know if Brock Purdy put it out or, you know, he was doing an interview or whatever. But he basically said, like, yeah, I went to Alabama for a recruiting visit, and Nick Saban told me I am I was too slow and my arm wasn't strong enough and blah, 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 blah. And, like, you know, because it's the Internet, people made it a big thing. And, oh, wow, Nick Saban really missed on that one. Well, actually, he didn't at all. Like, he actually did not miss on that at all. He actually was 100% right. Like, just because this guy is exceeding expectations – he was the last pick of the of the, the last round. He was passed on by all 32 teams multiple times. Like, can we chill out with like the everything's got to be a thing, um, especially when it comes to Saban? So that's my little Brock Purdy rant. I'll take Philly at home. I just I, I think it's a lot harder to win uh, on the road than people think, and Philly just hasn't gotten credit all year. Jalen Hurts. That's one I actually have no strong opinion on. Alabama or Oklahoma. I'm sure you've seen that as well. Um, and then in the AFC, listen, I, I put it out on Twitter the other day. Joe Burrow's 3-0 and against Patrick Mahomes. Um, he's doing it with a patchwork everything. There was a month of the season where he didn't have Jamar Chase or Joe Mixon. I have been one that even after the LSU season said, okay, that was fun. Let's see you do it at the next level. Okay, you win a couple games in the playoffs. Let's see you do it again next year. And the guy just keeps proving me wrong all steps of the way. So I'm going to say Philly Cincinnati is my Super Bowl pick. But uh, right now on Tuesday or whatever today is, I can't lie and say that I feel great about those picks as we speak right now, Russ. That's the beauty of the NFL, man. It is so close week in, week out. You you, you think you know, but you so don't true. know, as Mike Dicka said back in the day. Sure did. No, I, I – I don't know how, you know, obviously I know you guys have legal sports betting down there, and I'm sure everybody throws a few pennies on all these games. I don't know how anybody bets the NFL with confidence. It's just like every, feels like every game comes down to a last-second field goal, uh, you know, minus a couple of those games last weekend. But during the regular season, it's just so hit or miss. So 
But I'm excited, you know, like everybody else, I don't, you know, cover a lot of the NFL. I don't talk a lot about it, but I'll be on the couch on Sunday for eight hours like everybody else enjoying those games. Nice. Well, Aaron, we appreciate you as always, my friend. Go follow him on the Twitter machine at Aaron underscore Torres. He's got a uh, Tennessee-specific account as well. You hear him on Fox Sports Radio weekends right here on Fan Run Radio, and we always enjoy having him on the program. Aaron, thanks, man. Have a great weekend. Ross, Bear, everybody have a great weekend as well. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. Yep. Aaron Torres, Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres Podcast. Got his own website, all kinds of things going on there. Best-selling author. Check him out. Knows his stuff, man. Knows his stuff. Brings a lot to the table there, and we have a lot to unpack coming up here after a quick timeout. I remind you, Aaron appears, as all fan-run guests do, via the magic of the Big Orange Phillies phone lines. Check out Big Orange Phillies if you're looking for a place to watch basketball tonight. A late tip, Kentucky and Vandy at Memorial Gym. We pull for Vandy tonight. Can you do that? Is that a thing? Yeah, I probably will. Eh, probably, yeah. Well, you could go watch it at Big Orange Phillies with a juicy Philly cheesesteak sandwich, maybe a basket of wings, definitely a few cold beverages. And if you are not going to be in TBA tomorrow night to watch the Vols in Georgia, they'll have that one on too. Big Orange Philly, 6625 Maynardville Pike in Halls. Check them out online, bigorangephillies.com. we got to take a quick time out. The drive continues. Back with more after this. Back here on the drive, Fan Run Radio, Aaron Torres on the Big Orange Phillies phone lines. Bear, what did you learn? Pardon me. I was paying attention. You were paying to the question I just asked or Aaron Torres? Both. I don't have a whole lot of short-term memory retention for some reason. It was like five minutes ago. Yeah, I know. It was on for f- I could probably tell you we talked about it later on tonight. What's you put me on the spot. Uh, how about uh, Marcus wasn't even in the room. I bet he re- could recall at least one thing Aaron said. I think he's excited for the UConn Lady Vols matchup. Uh, there you go. There you go. Thank I you. I don't think he really knows that much. The overall feeling I got from him was he, he's not a huge uh, – No, he was very informative. Their best player is out and their second best player is out for the game Thursday. So his, his takeaway was, if if you're going to get him, like, this, now's the time. Uh, he, he did say that we were clever with that nickname you have for Gina. Yeah, Orienema. Yeah. Did you just make that up on the fly? I've never heard that before. Um, I didn't make it up. I, I, I can't. I don't know who coined it. Maybe I did make it up. I don't know. I'm juvenile. You're pretty Russell good Smith, at this. 12 years old. Nice to meet you. You're good at those nicknames, though. Thank you, Marcus. Let's go to the phones. 865-546-8200, your number to get on board. Martin is up next. Good afternoon, Martin. Good afternoon, Russell. What's going on? Russell, who is the quarterback we're looking at out of, out of uh, Mississippi on a graduate transfer? Oh, the cornerback. Um, the Quarterback it, or cornerback? Igbenison, I think, is the, his yeah. name. Yeah. <clears throat> I didn't know that's how you pronounced it. We recruited him last time around, and he chose Ole Miss over Tennessee and Maryland. He was a four-star, I want to say. He's from the Northeast, maybe New Jersey. 
and he chose he, he went to Ole Miss and I believe he started from like day one down there I think he was freshman All-America on on I'm not sure if that's AP or just you know like Phil Steele or, or one of those things but he, he was pretty good and I know Tennessee's in on him Ole Miss is trying to get him back sounds like you might have a little bit of an NIL bidding war hmm. going on right now but we need secondary help. Bring me all the cornerbacks. I mean, you might be looking at a situation, Martin, where it's Igbenison starting on one side and Gabe Judy Lolly out of the portal on the other. Yes. Uh, I think fans would be – would you be fine with that? Yes, as long as my boy Wesley Walker gets to play, Sam. I think he's a safety, so it shouldn't affect him. Yes. And Russell? Martin. I just thought they'd give up weight million and they give him nine. Uh, I'm with you, man. I'm a little surprised they went all all the way up to nine, but what's a million dollars amongst friends in the SEC, you know? Russell, we had to pay him to keep him old. I guess so. Hey, he cannot say if here in a year or so Oklahoma comes calling or the NFL or whatever, they're trying to poach Josh. He can't say that we didn't take care of him. Yeah. Uh, we gave him everything he needed. The NIL thing has been on par. Um, you gave him $9 million a year, man, right out of the gates like this after after year two. So, yeah. Have you heard anything else on the tight end coach? Uh, the last I heard, it was looking like maybe Jeff Ferris at UCLA, the Catholic grad, name to watch. Yes, and Russell Hector. Say this, but I had a dream, and you know what it's about? Me? No, I had a dream, and it was about Coach Heupel going to the Dallas Cowboys. You dreamed that Heupel was taking the Cowboys job? Yes. Sounds like a nightmare, Martin. I hope so. <laughs> if, if Heupel left, I, I, I might leave. If, if Heupel leaves, after, after all we've been through, Martin – 12 years, 15 years, whatever it has been, you know, lost in the desert of the college football wilderness to finally get back. If he will, and the stinking Cowboys of all teeth. If if he went to the Cowboys, Martin, I might just quit radio, join a monastery, vow of silence. I'd just be done. I'll tell you this and let you go, Russell. Okay. You know what Tim Priest said? What? he said? I know what he said. We went seven and six. What? The year we went seven and six. Yeah. He went up in the booth and he told them all. He said, boys, he said, it looks like we got ourselves a football coach. Oh, he would know. The great Tim Priest. Yes. I appreciate you, Russell. Appreciate you, man. All we had to do was get rid of Priest and we got our football program back. I'm just kidding. You know, Tim Priest's wife was my high school guidance counselor. Have I ever told you that? No. She's to blame. Fascinating. (laughs) It wasn't a lot of advice, as I recall. It was just like, have you taken the ACT? No. Here, fill this out. Okay. I was very coachable as a youth. Mm -hmm. What do you think about Martin's dream? I don't think he's going to the NFL. You don't want to go work for Jerry, for that Mm-mm. guy, that dysfunctional thing. Mm-mm. Josh, you want to stay right here, the school that took care of you, the school that stroked the check, dropped off the bag. 
No questions asked. Come on, man. T-Carp is up next on the Big Orange Phillies phone lines. What's up, T-Carp? What's up, fellers? How's it going? Hi. It's going good. good. I just kind of spending this afternoon realizing I am absolutely in the wrong profession after seeing a $9 million a year contract. <laughs> yeah, so, but you got some long hours to get that 9 mil. That's, that is true. That they, they do. They we, we act like they don't do anything. They Those guys work all the time. You not, not a lot of time off to enjoy those $9 right. million. Dollars. Could you imagine in today's world trying to recruit and baby 16, 17, 18-year-old kids and then being aware of the next group of 16, 17, 18-year-old kids? I couldn't do it. I'm just going to be honest with you. I couldn't do it for 9 mil. Or I couldn't do it, period. That's what I could not do as a coach. You would have you, to have that Scrooge McDuck vault of money to swim in, like just to get – you come home, some punk kid has held you up for an extra twenty grand of NIL money. You got uh, you know dad's calling, why isn't my son playing? All that stuff, all the headaches you got to deal with. And you just come home and you open up that door, you go off that – that diving board into all those gold coins, you'd be like, okay, okay, this is why I this do it. This is why. <laughs> That's right. Um, so I'm going to disagree with Aaron Torres on the whole Brock Purdy thing where it's like, oh, everybody passed him up, and can we get off of this whole Nick Saban's wrong thing? No, we can't get off of it. He was wrong. Nick Saban doesn't actually care about people. He doesn't look at the actual talent. He just looks at numbers on a chart. You're not big enough. You're not this enough. He doesn't see that what people got inside of them. And everybody likes the story. Everybody likes to hear that Nick Saban screwed up. So, Aaron Torres, you're wrong. You oh. That. I hope he's listening. Oh. I don't. Put that in your pipe and smoke it, A.T. So, well, I'll, uh, I'm off tomorrow, so he can he can tweet me. So, anyway. Um, <laughs> at T-Carp. I don't, I don't know, man. Right. I don't have a strong – first of all, I don't know if that story's real, as I okay. told – Aaron but second of all I mean like how do you measure what's you know the, the inside I, I'd assume this is the same time that he's recruiting Bryce Young uh, you take Brock Purdy over Bryce Young really I mean like he might turn out to be the next Brady but we didn't know Brady was Brady until it became like until it became Brady in the, the NFL we didn't know he was that good in college and you know Purdy might be the same thing there's like you know 31 other teams that passed on him too so uh, it's hard for me to criticize Saban there and it's generally pretty easy for me to criticize Saban so (laughs) I I, I get I do get where you're coming from I just think that coaches well I don't think they have the time for one thing but I don't don't think coaches take the time to see a kid's work ethic see his attitude see what what he's really all about no I get that you know work I get that can only get you so far. You know, a 5'10 kid from Maryville can only go so far. You know, you know, 6'6", six, 220, six, six, it matters. So I, I, I do get that. But I just I, I just like to hear it when Saban misses on something <laughs> and is wrong. I, yes. I like it. Um, I guess the only other thing is, and I'm going to really muddy the waters with this, so get ready. How does Gino still – in the good graces of 
coaches after the rumors of what he said about Pat. How is he still coaching? And you know what rumors I'm talking about. How does he still have a job in this? It's a good question. Uh, I, I tell era. you, he, he's I mean, got. We all know, but he's got eight rings. Thank you, T. Carby. He's got eight rings. I mean, you win or not, stay with us. Hour number two of the drive coming up next, right here on Fan Run Radio.